Welcome back, everybody, to the Into the Light podcast. We're so happy that you're here today. Just a brief little uh, look into the podcasting life. <laughs> We've been here since 3 o'clock. It's now almost 4.15. And we just barely figured out how these lab mics work. So <laughs> if the audio sounds different today, We don't care. We don't <laughs> care anymore. We're just going to do it. We're past the point of caring. <laughs> Anyways, we have with us Katie Schwartz today. And Braylon's going to give a little introduction for Katie. Whoop, whoop. Okay, so Katie is in me and, Aaron, me and Aaron's ward, and she is probably one of the most genuine human beings ever. Um, she lives actually two doors down from me. And yeah, I actually don't really know what more to say. How, how should we introduce you? Because <laughs> I don't know. Katie's really so tall. Great. Yeah, yeah, I'm 6'3". Six 6'3". Three. Six three. So, and where are you yeah, from? I'm from Oregon. Oregon. Yeah. And you moved here to Utah to go to BYU. Yeah. And what are you studying? Music education. Okay. So. Oh, yeah. She's an incredible musician. Oh, she can sing so well, too. She has a mandolin in her apartment. Yeah. <laughs> she yeah, has like... I do not know how to play. It's still that's, a flex, that's though. That's the sad part. <laughs> but it's... it looks great. <laughs> it does. It's a very aesthetic. And she loves plants. That's, a, that's very important. I do. I love plants. Character development. How many plants do you have in your apartment right now? Oh. And their names. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> do you name them? Um, I do, but I kind of stopped. Because they die? <laughs> no, well, because they die, but also I just like, I was just a lot. And too much tree number. Yeah, there's too much. <laughs> it's, it's bad. <laughs> See, because I like to think that I'm like a plant lady and like good at taking care of plants. But, like, I'm really not. I'm just good at buying plants. And they die, and I buy more. So, I just, yeah. Some of them have names, the, the strong ones. I love ones. it. And then, yeah. I love it. The ones that don't die have names. Yes. If they make it past, like, two months, <laughs> they get a name. I just remember being over at your apartment a couple months ago, and it was, one of them's names was Marty. Because it was, oh, like, Oh, that striped, one died. Yeah. Like the zebra in yeah. Madagascar. Yeah. I like the name. That's too bad that he died. Yeah. <laughs> too bad that he died. Oh. <laughs> well, Katie, we are so happy to have you today, and we're very grateful. Um, backstory, Katie literally texted me one day, and she's like, I have, I don't want to ask this question, but can I, I would love to be on your podcast. And I said, duh. Like, let's do it. Heck yes. And, yeah, so now we're at this day, and we are so excited to start. Well, I think that's, that's one of the beautiful things is... I had no idea that mm-hmm. Katie had ever gone through something like what we're going to talk about today. And so when Brenda texted me and she said, yeah, Katie reached out and like was wondering if she could be on the podcast to share a story. I was like, what the heck? Katie Schwartz? Like, actually? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of our podcast, that we're bringing into the light difficulties that we've faced, but we're also able to learn from each other. So, so Normal things. Yeah, for sure. All right, Katie. So let's start. With your story, your background, um, you grew up in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about your family dynamic with your siblings um, and with your parents, and like where the gospel was in your life. Were you guys like FHE, active goers, seminary? You know, like tell me how the gospel was involved in your family life and you individually when you were younger. Okay. Um, so I have a great family. They're awesome. Um, I, so I have five older siblings, but they're all kind of clumped together within like one or two years apart. And then there's eight years and then me. So that created a very like fun dynamic (laughs) in our home. I grew up with a lot of teenagers. Um, and also made me really, really close to my parents. Um, because my siblings left pretty early on. And so I was like, a self-proclaimed like only child, only child yeah <laughs> and so we're really close um but yeah the gospel is definitely a big part of um of my family my mom and dad are just like stellar just like amazing my mom like uh, she just i guess i don't know to sum up i just this was my favorite thing growing up 
um, next to all media like sources, so like computers or TV shows, but I will only read and watch things that are pleasing to Heavenly Father. Oh. And so I feel like that kind of sums Already up. Already have a takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and so it was just like that kind of sums up. I feel like what I grew up with, and she, um, she so was so loving, and like again, my dad was just like just a rock. And so I'm really close to them. My siblings, I'm in and out of closeness with them. <laughs> I'm really close to my nieces and nephews, but um, I learned a lot from my siblings. We'll probably talk about that a little <laughs> a little later. Um, but it's just kind of hard with that, that age difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was obsessed with the gospel. Um, I, I think just growing up, I've always felt really close to Heavenly Father, like just so close. Um, and I don't, this sounds crazy, but it's like, I don't always know if I was close to Jesus Christ. That came later. But Heavenly Father, I knew that I had a Heavenly Father and that he loved me. And again, I don't, I don't know how to describe other than we were close. Like mm-hmm. there was just never a time where I felt like he wasn't there and I could just talk to him like throughout the day, even like not even just through prayer. I was just like a constant, like open connection, mm-hmm. which I think really helped me when I felt like that connection was gone for a little bit. So, yeah. Um, were, yeah. were you um, more of like, the gospel was very much a part of your family's life, but you had like a personal yeah. relationship with the gospel as well. I feel like my, my siblings would often say I was the spiritual one, if that <laughs> if that tells tells you something. Like I just felt again, just always super close and mm-hmm. just always loved going to church. I loved F H E um, and like I loved reading the scriptures pretty early on. And so I don't know, it just kinda of like I feel like part of it is that my parents made it so normal and natural again like next to all the things we even like every time I watched yeah. tv I saw heavenly father just even the word wording there and so it always seemed super natural for me and so that connection I think came naturally because of them mm-hmm. but then like I don't know if that makes sense were I'm there saying, ever like but, yeah yeah no were there ever like questions that like if there was a faith crisis or if there was like a question about the gospel that you had would it be like an open conversation with your parents and your siblings um yeah my parents I didn't Again, it's like, I, I'm not super close to my siblings, never, yeah, not really. But um, but my parents, yeah, I remember I had a huge, like, women in the priesthood thing um, for quite a while. And I was pretty open with them. And to, to their, like, they they were so amazing for the whole thing. Never, like, super pressury and never, they just kind of, after the fact, after they told me about it as I was, like, wrestling and thinking, like, I, you know, I'm going to leave the church, but I still believe in the Book of Mormon and the Prophet. And they're like, okay, cool. <laughs> Even though it's like, there's clearly like a disconnect there. Um, but they just said afterwards, just like, you know, like we knew you read your scriptures every day. And like, so they were just very inclusive and loving. And I think that like was helped for part of the journey. And then to just listen to me rant over and over again and wasn't super judgy about that. Yeah. So that's awesome. That was good. And something that y'all should know that are listening is Katie is a teacher at... Payson Junior? No, um, high school. But. Payson High School Seminary. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you want to say to your seminary students, Katie? Oh, dear. Probably <laughs> doesn't want them to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I don't know. They're amazing. I love teenagers. I, like, love, I love my freaking students. They are amazing. Um, I don't know. I hope that love makes up for my lack of teaching skills. <laughs> During class, I so, because it. I love them, but yeah, I don't know. That's awesome. Well, as as y'all can tell that are listening, Katie's probably one of the wisest people that we've mm-hmm. interviewed so far. Not that we want to rank wisdom on the people that we've interviewed, but she's definitely number one. <laughs> <laughs> she's really good at articulating herself. So let's jump into your your actual story. Um, and bef- actually, before that, let's because we're going to be talking about bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm in this episode and like your journey of being di- diagnosed with bipolar disorder specifically bipolar 2 disorder um, but if you had to define bipolar disorder in a simple way for people that aren't familiar with it how would you do that? Ooh. Keywords in a simple way <laughs> um, so I think basically it is characterized by um, periods typically um, it can last from like a couple of days to months of like very high and excessive joyful. I hate using the word joy um, because it's not joyful. (laughs) It's very difficult, but like 
of, I guess, high energy and high mood, and then episodes of very low energy and low mood. Um, typical, like, depression. Like, all the symptoms that happen in, like, typical depression happen um, in those depressive episodes. And so, and it, but it's to the point um, where your functionality as a human being um, is impeded, it's affected. And so, it looks different for different people. You have some people, um, like for me, for instance, so I only get hypomanic. That's the, like a distinguishing factor of bipolar two disorder is I don't have quite as high of quote unquote highs, <laughs> um, but I have like really low lows. And so for me, a hypomanic episode that I have is usually one to three days. Um, and then a depressive episode now currently only usually lasts about a week, which is a blessing because I've had them last a lot longer before. Uh, medication and being diagnosed and stuff like that but for some other people a manic episode can last a month and a depressive episode can last for three months or for two weeks or whatever it is like it just varies person to person and then I guess as a precedent too for talking about bipolar disorder this is my experience um I feel people have so many different um like manifestations of it I guess for manic episodes they're like and depressive episodes they're just like a multitude of ways that it can be expressed and I guess that's a big part of my journey is being misdiagnosed so many times because there's so many different things that factor in all of them and so um, just as a side note this is just mine <laughs> um, and doesn't I guess explain the experience for all people with bipolar 1 or bipolar 2 disorder yeah, mm. but I hope that made sense I guess that wasn't that super makes, simple but that perfect sense. no that's yeah. that's great so what's the difference between bipolar 1 and bipolar 2 disorder? Yeah, so bipolar 1 um, just has, again, higher highs. So the manic episodes, so those highs of like elevated mood, are more extreme and can last longer. Um, while bipolar 2, it's called hypomanic, and so it lasts shorter and is less intense. Hmm. And so that's the difference. Typically, the depressive episodes, again, this is from my understanding, typically the depressive episodes are very similar between the two. But it's the difference is the manic episodes. Okay. And so everyone's manic episode, I'm assuming, portrays differently. Yes, Having that's... type 1 versus type 2. Yes. And so I think, again, this is my experience with talking with some other people with bipolar disorder and stuff too. The depressive episodes, are, again, are super similar to depression, and so you can relate in that way and lots of stuff. But the manic episodes are just vastly can be vastly different hmm. and that'll yeah okay yeah that's it <laughs> Alrighty. so did your so you got diagnosed with bipolar 2 disorder just a year ago yeah but when well. did your mental health journey kind of start because <laughs> i mean Sorry. i feel like no i mean i feel like it could be as soon as like before high school during high school yeah so i don't know when did it start so I, I think of this experience, and again, I oh, it's just, like, sad, but I guess, like, I've talked to other people and they've experienced this, too, but the first time was when I was in middle school, and this is, like, kind of scary for me because I haven't even told my parents about this. Um, when I was in middle school, I just, like, kind of felt, again, and hopefully I'll explain this a little bit more later, but I felt the energy, probably manic energy, and I, like, made a plan to kill myself. And, like, I don't even, again, it was, like, I wasn't super depressed. Like, I don't know what it was, but I just, like, made a plan. And uh, my parents were gone that night, and I was, like, I'm just going to, like, I don't know what came over my brain. But I just, like, was going to do it. And then to preface this, I had a strong impression as soon as I turned 12 to get my patriarchal blessing. Just, like, super strong, was going to do it. So I did all this studying. Like, it was super fun. Like, I would read True to the Faith patriarchal blessing, like, every night. And I just wanted to be prepared to get my patriarchal blessing. Um... And so I got it, and I hated my patriarchal blessing. Like, like when I first read it, I was like, "This!" I was like, "What the heck?" I like, didn't understand any of it. I'm like, none of this applies to me. Like, nothing special. I was like, "What's my husband gonna look like?" It doesn't say anything. You know, like all that kind of classic stuff. And then, um, kind of before this, like in the middle of this, I just had to like read your patriarchal blessing. I was like, "Okay," and um, so I read it, and there was a line in there. Um, I'll state it, but it said, there will be times in your life where you're discouraged and disappointed, but this is you being tested and proven worthy, um, to return home to your heavenly father. Hmm. And I remember I read that. I'm like, Oh, 
this is a test. Like, again, because it's manic energy, manic brain. We'll talk about what happens to your brain when that happens. But I was like, oh my gosh, okay, like there, that's the connection. I was like, this is a test. I don't need to do this. And then from then on, like in middle school, I had like little things like, but I think they were just angsty teenager things. But I think that was the first time I was like, where it was manifest. Where it was just kind of like this just like intense and strange. Again, like it wasn't typical where I was super depressed or anything like that. It was just like something to relieve the energy that I was feeling. Mm. And the fire ants that were like kind of in my brain. Okay. <laughs> so then that that happened in middle school. Yeah. And did you ever approach your parents or talk to anybody about kind of these high energy feelings? Yeah, how did you deal so, with it the first time that you noticed it? So, ooh, I think I didn't talk to my parents about it again. It's like I haven't, I have like I've shared that story with maybe like three or four people, um, and I I didn't because again in my brain it was solved yeah. because of my patriarchal blessing. So I'm like when these things happen, when I feel this energy, and this applied to lower energy too later when I started experience like more depressive episodes I was like this is a test this mm. is me being tested and proven worthy to return to Heavenly Father and so and again that's why I needed my patriarch blessing so immediately and I think that's why I was so close to Heavenly Father and like was born of the parents that I have and that was born eight years later like which all stuff I was really mad about at the time like I really didn't like being so distant from my siblings and I really didn't like um again my patriarch blessing even at, at the beginning like you know all these things that like didn't seem like they added up or I was really kind of mad about I was like now I'm like oh like that's fine Mm. um because yeah my siblings actually did play a pretty big role because you know growing up um again my brain especially in the episode doesn't make like neural connections very well so one of the ways that I um that I feel like it was explained to me how bipolar disorder works that like I relate to so much um is so normally you know there's like synapsis, like um, pruning. Is that what the name is? Synapsis. Sure, sounds Anyways. great. <laughs> so whenever lightning, like pruning or something I like, like that. that. So it's like as you grow up, right? It's like you have all these extra like synapses and like neural pathways and stuff, and so it's pruned as you get older, right? Okay. So then you can like take away and you know some of these things. But I've had it explained, and there's some research where um, those neural pathways in a bipolar brain aren't as solidified. So there's this grid system and all these crazy lines connecting together. So it's not quite a straight line, if that makes sense. And so there's not as much of this purging. So there's a bunch of extra crap in your brain. (laughs) (laughs) And so kind of going through when I was like this, there was just the connections again were really difficult to make. And I think that's what happened when I was in middle school is like these random connections were being made that should have been purged but they weren't. They were there and they were crazy. And then as soon as, again, I read my patriarchal blessing, the line was created. I was like, oh, this is a test. And so then my neuro, like, again, this is how I understand it. (laughs) And again, there is some research about this, but I was like, this is what it is for me. And so it's like that pathway was made and I was like, okay, so whenever this happens, it's a test from Heavenly Father, which still remains true to this day. (laughs) I think, you know, um, but anyway, so I think with, I was able to notice patterns and help my brain in that way because I saw my siblings make a lot of mistakes I love them but they I saw I saw their teenage selves and what they did and crazy stuff like some some of it like pretty pretty intense but um and I think that was interesting I don't think they know how much I how much I saw and how much I knew about but stuff they were doing but um I saw that and I used that kind of as like an equation. I feel like my brain wanted to make equations um, and wanted to, again, make healthy pathways. Mm. And so uh, I relied so much on my parents. And I think that's why we're so close to you because it's hard to process things when these neural pathways are going everywhere. Like yeah. it's so hard. And so I relied so much on advice from my parents. Like um, I think I've told this to my mom so many times. I'm like, every good decision I've made, I've made like through counseling with you. And that's kind of changed because I'm an adult now and it's a little different. But in high school, it was so true. It was so true. And so, and I would counsel with my parents, but I also was really blessed with amazing friends like that were so supportive and would help me kind of navigate. Again, this is retrospectively looking back, but they would help me navigate and create these equations in my brain. And so would my Mm -hmm. siblings, again, even from um, like negative 
and positive. My siblings were all bad, but um, these equations that I could follow, like that's a healthy pathway. If you do this and you do this, because I think in my brain, you know, at that point where I was like going to kill myself, that didn't equate in my brain as being bad. Yeah. And I, and so I had to notice these patterns. Um, and so again, super reliant on other people and um, healthy brains to help me create my own healthy brain. Does that make sense? How, how aware were you at that time that you didn't have, I mean, a quote unquote normal brain? <laughs> Um, there were, there are times because, you know, when I'm in a depressive episode and, um, like, so again, especially in high school, I didn't experience too much manic, um, energy, but I had a lot of depressive stuff. One, one of which I was like out for a month. And, um, I think I was, that's. That's kind of when that month went, I'm like, I think something's wrong. I think something's wrong with my brain. And then I went to my mom and I was like, hey, like, am I depressed? Because, again, I couldn't make that connection. Like, it was very difficult for me to make that connection in my brain, Um, especially when I am depressed. Because, like, now if I'm feeling normal, it's like I I can think, like, quote, unquote, a normal brain. But And she's like, yeah, I think you are. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I think so. Like, we should do something. And then that's kind of started, like, going to therapy and, like, diagnosis and stuff with that but so I feel like I'm just no that's that's the point (laughs) it's the point of a podcast do you so you started going to therapy in high school so no I I I can't really remember because I don't think we it was still kind of mental health was still kind of taboo when I was in high school. So I don't yeah. think it started until my first year of college. I okay. was at Southern Oregon University and I had a panic attack for the first time and my mom was on the phone because she wasn't she wasn't there when I first my first day of college there. And I had a panic attack and then I had another one that same week because my um, my dad, I can't remember if it was I think he I can't remember if he was having like something done on his heart. Or, because he, he has, anyways, he had an aortic, like, dissection, or, and he also had cancer, so I can't actually remember why he was gone. It was for one of those, um, and so it was just me, and that's when I was, like, I don't, I realized kind of a reliance on my parents, and I was, like, I want to, like, not have that mm-hmm. quite as much, and then I realized, like, yeah, panic attacks aren't normal. Like, even though my other stuff, I was, like, it was probably isn't normal, but that was, like, mm, that's a lot. Yeah. Like, that's a lot. And then, so I started going to therapy. I was actually diagnosed with social anxiety was what she um, kind of diagnosed me with, which made like sense to me at the time. Um, mm. what I was thinking. But. So you were at Southern U- U- Oregon University, mm-hmm. and was it before then or after then you served a mission? So I came to BYU for a year. So I went okay. to Southern Oregon University, um, again, did some counseling with this lady felt completely better, which again, it's very bipolar of me to just like, all of a sudden be better. But I thought, I was like, oh my gosh, therapy works. Um, and then, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I came to BYU for a year and then I went on a mission. Okay. And was a mission always in the plans? Um, yes and no. I always knew, I studied preach my gospel, like, I think since I was 14. Um, and so I just like grew a love. You're so such a man. <laughs> Holy crap. I'm not, but I just like, I knew that like, I wanted to prepare like I was going to serve one. Um, cause I think I heard that by somebody. They're like, prepare, like act like you're going to go on a mission and then like, you may or may not. So like in my brain, I was like, yeah, like probably like, I think so. And like, um, sometimes I was really gung ho about it. And then sometimes like, oh no. And then I just, I prayed one um, time at SO or like when I was in college at SOU, I just prayed and I just started sobbing. I was like, I'm gonna go. Um, because at the time, kind of tying this into the bipolar disorder too, like, um, throughout high school and especially that first year in BYU, the way that the Spirit spoke to me was through emotion, mm. which is very interesting. <laughs> but I was like, I knew as soon as I started crying, like in certain settings, I was like, oh, this is the Spirit speaking to me. And at the time, I think that was really healthy because, again, the pathways, especially when I was feeling strange, were really hard to connect. So I think the Lord had that direct connection with me. He's like, when you cry, this is the Spirit telling you to do something. Um, It's changed, but I think, again, at the time, I needed to rely on that 
um, mm-hmm. while my brain was still trying to work out <laughs> what was wrong. So that's when I knew. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go on a mission. Yeah. And what, uh, how, did, how did this, I mean, being diagnosed with social anxiety, but then also actually having bipolar <laughs> yeah. disorder too, how did that affect you on your mission? What was the mission experience like? So it was, it was, uh, <laughs> it was really good. I love my mission. <laughs> I like, there were parts that were absolutely amazing, but it was on my mission. I, I experienced my first manic episode, but it, it, here's the thing about manic episodes is they don't always project as being bad because I was just on freaking top of it. Okay. Like I was just like going, going, going. Like I remember I got a trainee and <laughs> we were like, we could panic. She's like, <laughs> and during, anyway, so I had her for a week and then we did like companionship inventory. Um, which of course she's a trainee, so I didn't say anything because like you you know you're there already just so overwhelmed. So I was like, you're doing great, but like, is there anything I can do? Like, please tell me. And she's like, I would like to schedule meals during the day because I was just like, I was just ready, man. And like she was amazing, she was also ready. But then like two, it's like I, I like so just I was just I would like to schedule meals. <laughs> I know it's not so like, yeah. 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 like all the basic psychology like, textbooks, manic episodes are like depicted as. Cleaning your whole house, like oh yeah, it's pretty like you're pre- like habits, sometimes but. I miss being like because I'm on medication now. I like sometimes legitimately I'm like gosh, I wish I was hypomanic right now because I could get this paper done like that. <laughs> <laughs> like and so yeah, I was just like oh, it was just like I, I hate part of me hates that sometimes I miss that, but I was like gosh, it was great and so I like I loved that part of my mission and like. I was lucky to have like really hardworking companions too, but also companions that are like, whoa, we need to slow down, which of course I view differently now than I then. But um, that was really good. So how did your manic, so did your manic like manifest in the way of being insanely productive? Is that yes, how? Yes, insanely okay. productive and insanely anxious too. Again, it wasn't all positive. I was super anxious and also very like, my companions will tell you, very hypercritical. Um, Mm -hmm. that's one of my spiral things where it's just like so much anxiety and feeling like replaying, you know, like things in my head, how it could have gone better or could have gone differently. Um, and so very like circular motion thoughts, Hmm. that makes sense. So it's like kind of the same thing over and over again. Um, and then, um, (laughs) yeah, anyways, that's all. But then I also like came down and I had a little depressive episode as well. That one only lasted, I think, um for about a month, but I was still able to be pretty productive. But I just remember after kind of the, all that happening, I was like, wow, I think maybe that wasn't normal. <laughs> like yeah. being like wanting to go, go, go that much. Cause then after like kind of like doing the depressive and then like evening out for a little bit, I was like, oh, like maybe this, cause I, it's interesting because I sometimes try to push myself to that hypomanic productivity because like, I know that I'm capable of it. Yeah. And so I'm, sometimes I'm like, why? Like, I literally can't work Fresh that hard. Rain. I literally can't go that fast or I literally can't like stay up. Uh, and so I, that's when I was like, oh, that's, yeah, I was just like, huh, interesting. Didn't really think too much about it because mm-hmm. I was like, but I was like, I literally can't get up to that level again. And then of course I felt like a bad missionary, but that's a whole different, yeah. <laughs> whole different ball game. But I was like, I literally couldn't, I don't know if you remember this, but it's, I think it's probably one of the first Relief Societies in this ward that I met you. You said something really powerful and it kind of reminded me of that. You said, um, your hundred percent looks different every day to you and to God. And Mm -hmm. I think that, I don't know, you just talking about this, I, I can definitely relate. Like, dude, I'm like, I can do this. Like (laughs) I have the capability and the capacity to get this done. And I'm really frustrated I can't kind of thing. It's really interesting. Well, and I think the Lord, this is what was interesting through this whole journey with bipolar, is like the Lord has used my manic episodes and he's also used my depressive episodes. And like, I think that just goes to show like that he will literally use all of you. And like, because again, it's like, I was doing well on the mission. Like, you know what I mean? Even though that was a negative thing and that's not normal and it's okay, but it's like, there were so many good things that happened out of that. And I was able to do so many things. And then also in the depressive episodes, like, um, I had a companion who really suffered with depression. And so we were able to like 
work on that together and then two it's like I was finally able to slow down which with the companion that I was with at the time I think needed that Mm -hmm. and so it was really interesting again it's like that the Lord will use all of you even your mental illness he'll use even your imperfections to bring about his perfect plan Mm -hmm. for you to become the person you need to be you know yeah that's That's crazy so what 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 was the process like from that point to recognizing that you needed help and getting that help for yourself. So, so I, I, so what happened as I think I mentioned, I've been surrounded by so many remarkable people and like my companions. And again, at that point, like I kind of figured out how to do stuff on my own, but I would still collect data again in my brain for equations to figure things out. But it wasn't just my parents anymore. It was from lots of other people and resources and, um, gospel articles and, you know, all sorts of things. Um, but, Um, at one point I had a relationship that was not healthy and very manipulative and very not, um, centered in truth. Um, there was a lot of lies stated. And so in my bipolar brain, again, it's like these equations were kind of thrown, which again, for some other people like, oh, that's a lie. Like that's like, that's a lie. But in my brain, I'm like, I have relied so much on other people and people have been so truthful and so honest, Mm. um, with me that. I just started to lose lose my mind. <laughs> like I just didn't not know who I was anymore. I didn't know who God was. Like one of the things that this person would say a lot, and I and I couldn't leave this relationship at the time due to like certain circumstances that I had with this person. But um, would they would use like I have like my patriarch blessing said that I have the spirit of discernment, so we should do this, or I have the spirit of discernment. And again, in my brain, it's like I had relied so much on so much other input, but this person also said. Um, you know, I'm the only one that you can trust. I'm the only person that like knows these things. I'm the only one that's on your side. And so then all of a sudden my brain starts to just like jumble and these neural pathways that I had worked for me all of a sudden were just shook. And so that is when, so bipolar disorder manifests itself in men typically around 18 to 19 and women is like 21 to 23. Mm. And so I would, I think it was 22. Yeah. So it was about time for it to become like come to its height. Right. Um, so even though it's like I had experienced those things, they weren't, they weren't at its fullness, I guess it was just like kind of inklings leading to that. Um, and so because this happened, this, that, that relationship that, that was events in that circumstance, triggered my full bipolar disorder. And so this is where it just went off the rails, okay? <laughs> and, oh my gosh. Um, so again, before it's like, it was almost in a functionality, right? So it's like, I could still function, right? And like, I was doing fine, even though I like had, it was more of a struggle rather than like a diagnose or like, I don't know if that makes sense, but it was more of a struggle rather than just like, I literally need to like, <laughs> I need lots of help. And so at that point, um, I was fine for a little bit. Didn't think I needed therapy. I got away from that person um, and was in a circumstance where I could get away from that person. And so um, I, like, was kind of okay, but I think it was suppressed trauma from that. Mm -hmm. And so I went to therapy because I used to just wake up and I would just sob because I thought I was with that person again. And I was just terrified. And so I was like, maybe I need to like work through that. So then I went to therapy, um, again, intending to work on trauma. But then um, uh, I had like a a really bad manic episode. And it consisted of me waking up that morning and I knew something was wrong. I like... Sorry, talking about this like makes me so anxious. So I'm really trying to get through it. You're doing so good. But like, I woke up and I knew something was wrong. And like, I don't know how to, oh, I brought a scripture. And I'm sorry that it's not like uplifting. But this is like, (laughs) I I read this. Actually, like whenever I first reached out to you, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to share this in the podcast because I'm like, this is what it felt like. So this is (laughs) Mormon 411. And this is what it felt like this morning. And it was impossible for the tongue to describe or for a man to write in a, a perfect description of the horrible scene of blood and carnage, which was among the people. And like, I like, like I could try to explain it. I've tried to explain it to my parents as like fire ants in my brain or it's just like energy, like 
Because it's just, it's more than just like negative thoughts. And it's more than just like anxious thoughts. It's like, it's a full body experience. And that Mm. was the first time I'd ever experienced full body, like manic. And I was like, something is wrong. So I called my mom and I was like, mom, like, like something is wrong with me. Like, I don't know what it is, but like something is wrong. And like, so I'm just talking to her. And kind of before I called her, as I kind of, I made these, again, these fake neural pathways, whatever. Sorry, I keep going back to that. I hope that's like scientifically okay. But anyways, <laughs> again, it works in my brain, This or is true to my experience, I should say. But um, I had already made these things. I was like, I like didn't know how to get rid of this energy. And I felt like something was wrong for, with me. And like, maybe I had sinned or maybe something had happened. And I literally made a plan. I was like, okay, like maybe I should like go out. I don't know how to, again, it, looking back this is crazy and like why would i think that but i was like i'm gonna go out and drink like i, I knew of a bar <laughs> like i had drove past it and for some reason that kept in my mind i was like i'm gonna go out and drink and like i think that'll make me feel better because it's like it's numbing like my brother was an alcoholic again with these new with these messed up neural pathways for some reason in my brain i made the connection that that'll make me feel better mm-hmm. and then i was talking to my mom and like i was like i like i think i want to go to this bar and she's like mm maybe not like maybe don't do that (laughs) and so I was like okay fine and then I was like well I was like well maybe drugs or like and then two I was just like anyway like just so many things that like I would have never done and again looking back I was like why the hell did I think that would make me feel better (laughs) Like, like I have no idea and then so um I ended the call with my mom and was still feeling that. So random, random fact about Katie when she's hypomanic is I swear like a sailor, which I do not swear. Okay. Like I just like grown up, never swore. But if I'm hypomanic, man, it is so bad. And so, um, I was swearing like a sailor when my, when my roommates heard it. And, um, she was like, you okay? <laughs> like, and, um, was this Emma? No, this oh, okay. wasn't Emma. Emma was not home. And I was like, no, but I'm going to go to work. <laughs> I don't know why I wanted to go to work. And so then I, I went to work, but then, of course, I, like, had a panic attack, and I had to leave early when my roommates, like, came and picked me up. And then, so, again, in my brain, trying to, like, figure out how to fix what was going on in my brain and fix what was happening in my body, I decided, okay, I was like, okay, I'm going to go live in the woods for two weeks. And so I started packing my bags. Then I was going to go live in the woods. Because, like, you know, I was like, in my brain, I was like, that's what happens in movies. Like, people just need to be with nature and, like, be with God. And then I'll feel better. And so that's, like, again, what I thought. And so I started packing my bags and stuff. But at, at this point, um, Emma, Emma came home. And she was like, what the hell, man? What's the matter with you? And I, again, in this hypomanic, I was ripped into Emma like so Emma and I are very close um and so I know a lot about Emma and I felt so bad that like I just ripped into Emma about so many different things that like I should have never said no good friend would ever say about a lot of different stuff and so um anyways that happened and um sorry it's just really sad um, I don't know how it got to this point, but I had left my bag, but I just went out. It's of course it's like midnight at this point. And so I'm just walking in the streets because like, I don't know what to do with this like energy still. And so I like start to walk. I'm like, what if I just sleep behind a dumpster? Like I, <laughs> I, I don't, again, it does not make sense. But in my brain, I was like, it, anything, anything yeah. would be better than what I'm feeling. And so I was like, I just started walking and I turned off my, you know, like, people can follow your creation. I turned all of that off. And so I'm walking. I don't know how long I walked for, but I remember something clicked in my brain. I was like, I need to go apologize to Emma. And so I went back, and Emma obviously was sobbing and, like, very scared for me. Um, and that, for some reason, got my neuropath, like, I, like, flipped me back. And I, like, all of a sudden remembered who I was, like, who Emma was, like, our relationship, and um, that that I was acting crazy. <laughs> and it kind of clicked in my brain. I'm like, this is insane. Like, that is not the way to treat what I'm feeling. Again, those kind of equations I had created, 
in like my childhood and those things I was like this is the wrong equation whatever I'm trying to do so then Em and I sit on the couch and cry for hours and um, I went to bed and then here's the crazy thing I woke up the next morning completely normal it was the 4th of July I went to a 4th of July party and like <laughs> I was oh doing gosh. I was totally fine and that's when I was like huh <laughs> maybe I'm bipolar that was the first time bipolar even came to my brain because it was such a like a dramatic switch I was like Maybe this is bipolar. And so, um, but of course, I, I had to explain this whole episode to my mom. So my mom flies me home for, I think, two weeks. And so I got to spend with her again, like, with um, really safe people. And, like, again, kind of, kind of just, it was, it was amazing. I really needed to go home to my mom. Um, and so I came back and start talk, talked with my therapist. And, again, I... Um, mentioned to him I was like maybe I'm bipolar and again I had been with this therapist for a while he's like yeah I thought so I did I just <laughs> oh my gosh so he knew from just like us talking which was like interesting to me but I also appreciated that he waited yeah I think that was very led by the spirit um because I probably would not have accepted it unless it had like kind of come from me and from God definitely he definitely placed that um that word like bipolar in my brain and then so um I'm sorry if this is going on really long. But no, this no. is perfect. <laughs> but then, I just like sharing this story because I think it's so funny. But so I took this test. There's like this master test you take about like, it has like, it's about so many, yeah, like mental disorders. Oh no. And it's like super Online? long. No, this oh. was, it was by my therapist. Oh, okay. It was by my therapist. So it's like, it's a test. Yes. Yeah. Do you know the name of it? I, no. Oh, okay. But it's this massive, and it's like for so many different things, like yeah, bipolar, depression, anxiety, like schizophrenia is on there. Like I can't, like I can't remember, but there's like just tons of like things that are used off of this test. Hmm. So it takes like an hour. So I went into the, the CAPS office is what offered it. And he's like, take this. He's like, I'm pretty sure this is what it is, but I'm like, this will kind of solidify what we're thinking. Um, and so I go in and it's in this giant conference room. Okay. with like so many chairs on this giant table and it's just me in there. And so I'm like taking this test and it's going fine. The first one's like, do you, on average, do you feel blue? Like, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's like, do you get really anxious around people? And I'm like, okay, like this makes sense. Like mental health. Right. And then, then the question comes up. It's like, um, <laughs> it's like, do you see animals that aren't really there? And I was like, like if I see an animal, I assume that it's actually there. You started to question reality. Yeah, and I was like, wait a second. I was like, this is not what I thought it was. And then I kid you not, the next question was like, would you consider being a florist? And I'm like, this is, like, this is too much for me. And then the other one is like, do you think people are watching you? Like, or, or how did it say it? <laughs> anyways, and so then I like freak out while I'm taking this test. But I just thought, anyways, the test was wild. <laughs> it was wild. But it kind of came back and solidified what my therapist and I thought. And then the saddest thing happened. My caps ran out. So I could not see the therapist again, and I couldn't get into any therapy for the next, like, three months. Oh, God. So I had just been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Yeah. Right? And then I, could, I couldn't get help. I couldn't see a psychiatrist. I couldn't see anything. I couldn't, I literally couldn't get into anything. And I had tried so many different, um, different facets to get therapy and stuff. But um, just knowing really helped. I had some other really, really bad depressive episodes and manic episodes during that time. Um, but I just kind of had to wait it out <laughs> until you and could get a therapist. Until I could get a therapist, and then I got a therapist. He assigned me to a psychiatrist. Um, which interesting thing about bipolar disorder, I on my mission. Oh, this is I forgot about this. On my mission, I actually saw a therapist um, diagnosed with anxiety, and so, um, and then also at, a, at another point, I had seen a therapist and for de- like uh, thought I was depressed. I had just like jumped around therapists because again, it's like. All of a sudden, I would feel better, and I thought, oh, therapy works, and then I would stop therapy, and like, yeah. no, it was just because my brain chemicals balanced themselves out. Um, and so, so he was talking about putting me on my medication okay. at some point. Whatever one diagnosed me with depression um, was putting me on. But the thing is, depression medication does not work on people with bipolar disorder because it'll just throw them into manic episodes, right? Because if you think about it, it's a whole shift in that. You'll just be high for forever, like forever, and you'll be manic and so it's like dangerous and like well not maybe not dangerous maybe sometimes people can be dangerous when they're manic but like um to put people like bipolar people on depressive medication um and so I felt really strongly that I shouldn't be put on medication at that time 
But then I felt very strongly that I should be put on medication. But again, I was a 10 on mercy because it was the correct medication for what I was diagnosed with. Hmm. Um, and then so I started. And then this, the, the, the worst depressive episode I have literally ever had um, happened when I started medication. So I had to start at one-fourth of a dose and then half a dose and then um, the full dose. But I had to do it every two weeks to like get my body used to this medication. And so every two weeks... I would have the worst depressive episodes, I think, of, in my entire life. Um, and again, back to that scripture that I, I don't know how to describe it. I don't know how to describe the energy that comes into my body and the thoughts that come. Um, and like, honestly, if I wasn't diagnosed and I had spared those things, like I wouldn't be here. Like, absolutely not. Like, my, I wouldn't be able to handle it. Mm. Like, I would have just ended it. Just done. And I wanted to even, though I knew what it was. Um, and so just freaking rough. Um, and then the medication worked for like six months. It was amazing. Mm. I, it was the weirdest experience of my life though, feeling neutral. I don't think ever I have ever felt neutral in my life. Either of you was like amazing and super happy or really, really sad. Um, even again, during my like normal kind of times. How, how long ago was this? So, was, that, was that six months? Was that six months? It was, um, well, I just had my last manic episode <laughs> this summer, and that was what ended the six months. So I think it started in January. Yeah, that, that adds up. So in January, I started the medication, went through that stuff, and then I had six months about of, like, of just bliss. Oh, my gosh. Like, I can't, like, I just remember I talked to Emma a lot because um, Emma really supported me through all of it. Because, again, it was like, it was terrible. For those three months where I couldn't have therapy and it was super high and everything was super triggering and I wasn't sleeping. I would only sleep for, like, three hours a night and would just, again, so many racing thoughts. Like, oh, my gosh, the suicidal thoughts, man. Like, just terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, along with just so many other things. Again, it's just, like, things that don't make sense made sense and that's kind of the scary part but it's like finding my own like real voice in that is so difficult but um anyways um she was sorry I I was telling actually Bray about this on the way here I when I talk about bipolar stuff my brain I feel like it is affected by even just talking about it and Mm -hmm. I feel like I go in loops and circles and like kind of lose track of what I'm talking about because it's like there's just so much in my brain just has a hard time it's very interesting dots so here i mean i've never heard any i've never met somebody with bipolar so it's very interesting to hear your kind of episodes that's going on Mm -hmm. and your understanding of them being close to none and then understanding it and then being like oh i get it i get it i get it and then you like don't get it and it's like did you battle that when you were in your neutral bliss was it very much like not that at all or how did it work like so it it was amazing because like I, yeah i would tell i would talk to emma and i was like do you ever just feel like like you're just okay like do you ever just have moments where you're like i'm okay and she's like yeah she's like that's usually like where i default she's like i have times where i'm like oh like i'm not okay or like whatever and i was like you're kidding i was like do people feel like this all the time like is this really what yeah. people experience mm-hmm. And it was just, like, remarkable. And I think now I haven't had a time where I haven't had an episode for that long. But I think that was a gift from Heavenly Father. I think he's, like, you've been through hell. And it's, like, I'm going to give you six months. And, like, just from, like, a merciful, like, I'm sorry, I'm going to cry. But, like, just from a merciful God. Um, because during that time when all of this kind of was triggered and got really bad, um, that connection, like I said, from a very young age, felt so close. It was just gone. Like, that thing that I could always rely on, like, of that connection with Heavenly Father was just, like, stripped from me. Um, and I just felt so alone, again, during some of the darkest times of my life. But, you know, they always talk about in during faith crises, it's like, just have faith, just have faith, just keep going. And I was like, you know, if it was true then, like, it has to be true now. I was like, that equation, mm-hmm. it, it should be true. Um, and I just remember some of my darkest times too. I would just call my mom. I was like, mom, I need you to bear your testimony to me because I, I don't know what truth is anymore. I don't know what's real. Um, but again, my spirit knew what was real. Even if my brain did not know, um, my spirit knew. 
and it wanted to hear that. And I received a blessing, a, a, a priesthood blessing during one of my episodes, um, a particularly, a particularly hard one, um, that said, which kind of shocked me, um, Emma transcribes blessings whenever I get them so that I can like read over them again because usually I'm not in a mental state where I can understand what's kind of being said. And it said, rely on your roommates, specifically Emma. And um, not until recently I realized that she, I'm so sorry, that she was the one that God used to speak to me for that whole time. Mm -hmm. And that's why I had to meet her and that's why I knew her. Because again, even though I was so mean during that one episode, even for all of this stuff, like, we talked about it, too. I, I told her after that episode, she was like, you're not my therapist. Like, I don't want you to try to fix me. Like, and it's like, and I even told her, too, I was like, that was scary. If you want to leave, you can. I was like, I know that's scary. And I had a lot of other friends that left me while I was kind of going through this. But Emma stayed. And um, I'm so sorry. This probably sounds so bad over the microphone, too. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, but she was who God spoke through. Because, again... Like, God had spoke to you right when I feel emotional. God is speaking to me. But again, my emotions were not reliable. Mm-hmm. And so now God speaks to me in a very different way. Um, but for during that time, it was Emma. Like, literally angel on earth. <laughs> like, um, just, I like don't even know how to describe it. But like, if it wasn't for her and our relationship, like, I definitely wouldn't be here. Um, and definitely want to be able to make it through any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, she kind of went through the hellfire with me. Bless her heart. <laughs> but and you guys weren't living together yeah. for very long, were you? So um, we came home from the mission. We lived together for about a year, and that was about kind of the length of my journey when we mm-hmm. first started experiencing the really big episodes versus you know and then like medication and the sad part was she moved back to arizona yeah um right when i had hit my neutral phase so she was with through all of the like all the crap and then when i finally got neutral i was like obviously we still call and we would talk about it but i feel bad because she didn't experience me <laughs> like being quote unquote normal brain so anyway sorry for that really random no, that emotional bit but thank you for sharing that What's what's been what's the time been like since the end of the the six months until now? How how have you come to grips with it, and yeah. how have you dealt with it since then? Um. Yeah. So my first manic episode after the six months was really really rough. Again, not even not even because like it would had been I had been as manic as I was before, but just because it had happened again. Did mm-hmm. you feel like it was like a relapse? It felt like it. Yeah. yeah. It felt, I was like, am I exercising enough? Am I sleeping mm-hmm. enough? Am I reading my scriptures enough? Am I doing these things enough? And I felt like it was my fault that I was manic again. And it was just like the most horrible thing. Cause like, so now on medication, it is there. It's both sides are less extreme. My depressive episodes and hypomanic episodes are less extreme. And so for this one, I just felt extremely anxious and irritable. Hmm. And, um, that was kind of my thing. And then I also get like super like sensory overload. So like really loud noises and just like things like that. Just like, just like, like all of a sudden snaps like that energy in my body again. Like kind of that weird, I like, again, I don't know how to describe it. Um, and so that was really, really hard. Um, cause I thought again, when that six months kind of hit, I was like, this is going to be the rest of my life. I was like, I'm going to feel neutral. Like, again, and I still experience, like, happy happy things and sad things, but, again, it was just, like, normal human emotions. Like, I don't even know mm-hmm. how to describe how freeing that felt. I was like, I'm happy about this, but it's not, like, anxious happy. Yeah. And then, like, I'm sad about this, but I was like, I, like, but, I like, it felt like, I think this is normal sadness. Like, I just, like, because my dad kind of had, like, another cancer scare, but I had, like, normal sadness about it, and I don't know how to describe it. I was like, this like, I think it was a spirit telling me, like, this is normal. And I was like, wow, like, this is great. Um, That's crazy. And so um, now I think recognizing the signs is huge. I've gotten really good since then of recognizing signs, where it's like I start getting a little more irritable or anxious, or the state of my room is actually a really good indicator of how I'm feeling. 
if it starts to get messy or like um, something, it's like I'm usually getting like depressed. Um, if it's like excessively, like if I feel like, yeah, cleaning my room over and over and over again, that's usually like a manic thing. So that's like one indicator that I notice, but then also um, I get obsessive thoughts. Um, oh, again, poor Emma, she dealt with like, I had like three really bad like obsessive thoughts during that whole time that was just like come back we have probably had the same conversation like 40,000 times and so I can tell too yeah if I start having an obsessive thought about a person or an event or a thing mm-hmm. um I can tell and then the depressive episode again it's like very similar to regular depression and so those are a little easier to to catch because I feel like that's more well known um but now coming to grips with it I guess um Again, I had to realize that it's like God uses all parts of me. Um, Even my chemically imbalanced, like messed up pathways self. Um, Is your medication pretty leveled out now? Like it's pretty, you got the right dosage? Yeah, I feel pretty good. um, Because again, even when the episodes happen, like it's discouraging, but they're not as extreme as they were. And I realized that too, like that um that's just the way that my life is gonna be (laughs) and that was like Mm -hmm. kind of a sad realization but I'm like I think I'm just always gonna have episodes um but now it's like I feel so much more empowered because I know what it is because I think I mentioned a little earlier it's like finding my voice in those like that path and that thing gets easier and easier almost every episode Mm -hmm. because again I think because I've experienced so many episodes I can look back and be like hmm is this a crazy thought that I want to do this or a normal thought? Um, and yeah. And then again, it's like surrounding myself with really supportive, really honest and truthful people is essential for me. Um, because I like, I don't, I can't, I can't explain what it feels like to ask somebody be like, is is this true and honestly not know the answer or like yeah. did this happen and honestly know if it did like honestly not know if it happened or it's like is this perception crazy like asking somebody like is this crazy or mm-hmm. not is like such a vulnerable thing but it's like if you have the right people it's like they're gonna help you through that and you have like good people and so I think that was another way of the Lord humbling me because I love being independent and not relying on other people and I want to be able to do lots of things by myself but he just is like nope (laughs) that is not for you um and so i don't know if that answered your question (laughs) totally no i think it does that's that's hard to accept that's that's amazing what is what's your what's your outlook on the future um with everything that you've gone through up to this point like how do you see yourself over the next few years i think that's like part of it is I really can't it's like I have hope for the future I think things will be okay but again I'm also not I'm not depressed or manic right now (laughs) I can say that but but it's like I'm hopeful Um, but also I had to like keep an open mind that like some of the episodes will probably get worse some will get better but honestly it's like it's I don't like thinking about the future, not because I'm afraid of it, but because, like, I am just so grateful for what I feel right now. Again, for those six months, like, every day was amazing. And so it's, like, whenever I'm not feeling that way, I just have to love the day. I just have to love it and squeeze the juice out of it and make lemonade (laughs) because, like, every day is amazing because, it's again, it's, like, the next day I could just, like, be in shambles like and just again not know what's true not like you know and I'm very functional now and again I was even functional during those three months where I didn't have medication and stuff like that because I knew what was going on I wasn't functional when I didn't know what was going on but just knowing um is really helpful and just knowing yeah I guess just like loving the day (laughs) what I get is like I can't always think about the future because it freaks me out and like, what is it going to look like with having kids? Or what does it look like um, for, you know, future jobs and stuff like that? But I was like, you know what? I am happy right now. And I just, I just, I just can't think otherwise. I think that's a principle we all need to learn. Well, learning to live in the moment is, yeah. is, a, is an underlying factor of having a happy life, I feel like. Being yeah. able to be present where you are 
and you're not depressed about the past or anxious about the future. I mean, that's 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 powerful. How do you? This is something I'm I'm curious about. How do you view your past self? That 21 year old, that 22 year old, but even going back further when you were a teenager. How do you view that past self with the perspective you have now? And can I preface that because me and Aaron talk about this a lot. Anytime we interview someone, like people think that we're gonna think less of them, but it's like. No, absolutely the opposite. Like, I, I think I've just grown more love for you because absolutely. of, like, everything you've gone through. And it's like, and you're still the amazing person you are today, you know? And so, that with that prefaced, that's a great <laughs> question. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, because I definitely had some people not treat my diagnosis with bipolar this way, that way. So, I appreciate um, you saying that. And I don't think I treated myself that well when I was diagnosed either but now looking back like I think I have so much mercy and so much kindness and like I love who that girl was um yeah. I I love her <laughs> and um I, yeah I just have to look back with love and I have to realize that I can only I rely on the truth that I know right now um and I don't know if that makes sense. Because, again, it's like I, I have to think about truth. It's interesting, right? Because in general conferences and stuff, they talk about truth a lot. And I think it's truths of the gospel that get me through everything. And so when I look back, I think I see a girl that was looking for truth and was just seeking for it. Yeah. And, um, and I honor her. Like, you know, she didn't know what truth was. She was trying to find it. And, like, I honor her and for finding it and finding it in the gospel and finding it through the resources that Heavenly Father has given us um, to find truth. And that for me, to help find me find truth was medication and it was therapy um, and it was other people. Well, I think of, of all the interviews that we've done, I feel like that's one of the, probably the biggest takeaway that I've yeah. found um, and a common denominator is when we're able to look on our past self and all the things you just described, having mercy, having compassion, you just said you love that girl. I think the perspective that we have on our past self is the same as the perspective that Heavenly Father and our Savior have of us right now. And eventually what we're going to achieve sometime in the future. But when you're in it, it's so hard. Yeah, you can't look past it. Yeah. But you should be comforted in the fact that eventually... You will see yourself that way. You will be able to see yourself in the way that God sees you. Oof. Yeah. yeah. So much inspiration and revelation comes retrospectively. Mm-hmm. Which is annoying. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think we should last wrap up with our last question. I've been thinking about this question the whole time because I'm like, I'm really curious to what you're going to say. Um, if somebody was going through this situation, like your past self, or somebody that you really loved and cared about, um, what would be like the one thing that you would want to bring into the light to share with them? Like, I want you to know this because it's going to help you get through this X, Y, and Z or something like that. I guess that you are not your disorder. Um, because I feel like with mental health, right, it affects your brain, the way that you think. And I think sometimes we associate ourselves with our thoughts, mm-hmm. right? So what we think is who we are. I don't, I don't think that's always true. Um, because like I said, my spirit knew that the gospel was true. My spirit knew truths. My spirit knew who, who I was, even my, when my brain didn't. Mm. And so me asking my mom to um, share her testimony, share truths, was my spirit um, knowing like was, was who I was. That's who I was. And so just fighting through and finding your voice in the mess is so hard it is so hard but it is so worth it and so you are not your disorder you are not always your thoughts um but just know like you chose to come down here um and that you'll find the truth i think if anything like i don't know the the quality of truth seeking has become so i don't know i can recognize it in people now because i recognized it in myself mm-hmm. um and so just don't don't stop trying to find the truth because it's there and your spirit will find it even if your brain doesn't. I think that's powerful too. What you just said that stuck out to me is is you chose. You chose to be yeah. here. Like, as hard as that is to kind of wrap your mind around sometimes, 
is we all had that choice before we came to Earth mm -hmm. of whether we were going to come face the things that we were going to face or not. And we chose that. We were because we knew there was a way to overcome it and become the people that we needed to be through the Savior's Atonement. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. I, I mean, even just me thinking about that with my own struggles, it helps me be more accountable to myself. Yeah. I can't blame anyone else, mm -hmm. really, for, for the things that I'm going through. I know that you can have hope for the future. And we joked about that before we started recording, but like you came down here and you're like, God, I'll do it. Like I will face <laughs> bipolar disorder. Like I will do it and I will be the warrior to do it because I'm going to learn so many things. And I think, I think throughout any, any mental disorder, but just knowing that there is truth yeah. behind what you think is truth in that moment. And I think that's I think that's for everything. Your there's spirit recognizes that. Yeah, there's so many deceptions in this world in general. And yeah. to find truth and know that it exists and try and find it is that's a choice in itself. Yeah. And like I think, you know, the the I don't know what to call it, but you know, it's like is it like truth relativism or something like that? I can't remember where, where it's like all truth is subjective or whatever. Yeah. Let me tell you, it is hell thinking that. And so yeah. like there is truth and there is the President Nelson has something to say about he that said every the same conference. Thing. Exactly. <laughs> and like I, I don't know. It's just being in a place where you don't think there there is truth is not fun. And so I there is. And it's Jesus Christ. He's the way to truth oh. and the life. Amen, I, sister. <laughs> Hallelujah. Holy crap. That's his title, right? Yeah. Truth. <laughs> truth. Yeah. Truth. Mm -hmm. truth. This is truth. Well, Katie, thank you so much for, for coming. Real, Holy you. smokes. This was, this was I've learned so much. I can't, I've learned way too much. <laughs> my, my head's like, Woo! Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. I feel like I just Don't threw even, up everywhere. Which I said I wasn't a throw no before here. So. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for your vulnerability. Yeah. For just laying that all out there. For real. Um, if any of you guys are as inspired as we were from Katie's story, please like, subscribe, and share because, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking wow, that was amazing. <laughs> There's nothing else to it. <laughs> Thank y'all so much for listening. We love you. Love you. Have a good one. We'll see you next week for Katie's resource episode. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.